energy level for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Zach. I'm here. Start it back over. <laughs> hey there. Uh, two. There it is. No. Good. Okay. Right. That's the energy Hi I'm there, looking everybody. for. Hello. Can we we are some nobodies. <laughs> no. No. You're all sourpuss Eeyore right now for some reason. Okay, everybody. My name is Zach, and that's Dylan over there. And we are some nobodies. This is our website right here. And what you are doing currently hopefully, is you're watching Talking Upstream. And what this is, this is a 90-minute writer's room style show where Dylan and I throw some very stupid ideas at somebody, usually funnier than us, and they choose an idea for us, and then we kind of figure out and let you guys see our process on how we take something very stupid and turn it into a podcast or a movie, coming soon, or a board mm -hmm. game, coming soon, or a card game, anything, whatever. We just got that <laughs> stuff going on. Uh, but before we get into our guest, who I'm very excited to talk to, uh, but Dylan, how are you today? I'm apparently low energy. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, don't don't project your crap on me, buddy. <laughs> I'm not projecting anything. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, no. I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. How are you, Zach? Uh, so, streaming services. Anybody yeah. responded to you yet? Anybody responded to all these emails? You know, they give Zack Snyder just like attempt after attempt after attempt. It's like, you know, your movie didn't do too well in theater, so we're going to give you a second one. Uh, we're going to give you all this publicity. We're going to give you a mini series. Yeah, here we are, Zach. I don't know what the difference is between us and Zack Snyder. I guess Except, last name. You know, I guess. <laughs> yeah. A long history in the industry and, you know, professional resume. We need the Zach Wiseman cut of something, but I guess we need to do something first. Um, but yeah. enough ju enough jibber jabber. Let's bring on our awesome guest, Dylan. Yeah. Will you please introduce our friend? Cool. Of course. So uh, this week we are joined by Leo from the Leo Effects Podcast. How you doing today? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys doing? Good now. Uh, a little bit of technical difficulties, putting some more of these bricks up, but now things are running pretty smoothly. So, uh, Leo, how are you, sir? Hanging in there, doing good, yeah, doing good. That's, that's cool. So your show is called The Leo Effects. Right. Now, will you break that down for people that for some reason might not know what your show is? Uh, the general crux of the show is that it is a entertainment podcast. I bring on all forms of entertainers from actors, uh, VO people, musicians, authors, everybody and anybody that has a cool story. They come on, we talk for 30 minutes, get to know about them and the things that they've done, what's coming up. And just have a little fun. And I, I added a new feature at the end. It's it's called The Wheel. And uh, I kind of ask a random question based off of what The Wheel has described. So, for instance, one of them is called Florida Man. And I read two basically newspaper headlines uh, from, you know, it happened in Florida. Florida Man does X. Um, and then they have to guess which one is the real one. And which one is the one I made up? 
And so far, nobody's got it correct. So, oh, well, hmm. D- Dylan's pretty familiar with some Florida men. You you know what's up with Florida <laughs> <little bit>. men, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> a little bit. You know, um, the reason Florida men is kind of like a thing. Um, there's actually a law in Florida where I think non-criminal cases, effectively, the records are open to the press. So right. it's not that Florida's more crazy; they're just more open about it. Oh. Nah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you don't really, you don't really hear about the Colorado man very often. Uh, he's just no. Really like, no, they all live in the mountains. Yeah, or just nap. <laughs> they're just napping or something. They're just napping. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, hard to get things on the internet ver- via carrier pigeon. So <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, Leo, we started this show talking upstream because we wanted to talk ourselves up to a streaming service. We wanted to show people that we could just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk until we get up to a streaming service. What was uh, what would you say was the conception of the Leo effects? Um, well, trying to get into the world of voice acting and voiceover work, um, I realized from seeing a lot of them on Facebook that a lot of them went in based off of, oh, my family member told me I had a great voice. And a lot of them were really struggling. They, they were having a hard time breaking into this industry. Um, I was one of those people that people say, oh, you've got a really good voice for characters. You can create some pretty interesting character voices. You should do voice. But I bypassed that step and created my show in order to do interviews with people that are already established, basically gleaning their experience so that I can gather that before I really get into it. Yeah, that's cool. And mm-hmm. on the flip side of, of my last question, what we're trying to do is ultimately get ourselves to a movie or a streaming service. If there is a pinnacle uh, or like a, just a, a great top of what the Leo effect can get to, what would that number one spot be? I'm going to tell you, one of my uh, dreams, I guess, is that at the, the culmination of all my hard work is that I get to be the next Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, that sounds great. So you're going to be right. a talk show host. Right. That's, oh. that's where I'm trying to get to. That sounds so good. Not bad. Uh, yeah, I would love to be a talk show host. Do you think we can pull yeah. off a game show? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <a> show? <laughs> uh, I think we'll it would see. take us, you know, a month and a half to get off the ground, but we'd, <laughs> yeah. we'd be able to do it. Yeah. Uh, Leo, if you can look back at, at the like the success or at least the duration of your show, The Leo Effect, what is the the one highlight, the one part that stands out over everything? Like, this was the coolest part of my show so far. Oh, I, I had a lot of milestones, to be honest. Um, like, if you go back and you listen to the first episodes I ever did, I was terribad. I, I thought I knew, I had this idea in my head that I had I legitimately, I had a list of questions. There was 30 questions. And I said, if the guest takes 30 minutes and they do one minute per question, I'll be golden. I'll be solid. But the problem was I got so focused on asking that next question that I didn't hear the answer from before. And so a lot of times I'd just be sitting there going, oh, that's awesome. That that's I mean, if you listen to like the first five episodes, I say awesome probably eight hundred times an episode. And finally, my wife pointed out like, "Hey, you need to rein that in." And I said, "You're right, you're right." And 
the show has gone through many transformations uh, through getting people to do my intro, which some of those were just phenomenal uh, moments in the show. Like I had Roy Worley, who's a very, very great voiceover artist. He does a lot of national stuff. He did my intro for me and, you know, it was the greatest season that I had. Like my numbers were all up. Um, you know, I did some pretty big interviews with, uh, say, uh, Richard Karn, Larry Hankin, um, uh, lot, lots of voice actors that are pretty well known in that community. And all of those people, I can't say I had a favorite or a highlight over another because it's just been milestone after milestone. But I would say probably the most ecstatic that I got was when I broke uh, 10,000 downloads. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So you, you have, you, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to say awesome. I was just trying to be funny. Uh, <laughs> usually I say cool, or that's interesting. I think those are my go-tos. Um, yeah. So your show has progressed as you've gone on and you've learned. What would you say, and you're, you're an interviewer and we listen to a bunch of your shows. What would you say is the best bit of advice you can give to another interviewer? Don't overthink it. Uh, like I said, I created a list. I was following it exactly word by word. It sounded like I was reading from a script, you know, it, and, and not in a good way. Like, you know, I, I sounded like those high schoolers that are trying to do the, the senior play, you know, like, Oh no, that is terrible. I hope that you recover from that quickly, you know, stuff like that. Just let that go. Don't overthink it. Go in. You're supposed to be having fun with your guest. So just, just have fun. Yeah, that's good advice. The, the best slash weirdest advice that I've gotten was to uh, pause after a question to let people continue to speak. And sometimes that makes me feel very awkward because I'm a talker. I just want to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. And once I got that bit of information, and I'm not sure if, it, if, if anyone can tell when I interview people, I have given that duration of time some longevity. And it has <laughs> given me chills sometimes. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, say something. All right, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Just have a good time. Just, you know, if you're going to have that person on, have a connection with them and, and just actually have a conversation. Don't really interview them uh, unless it's Larry Hankin, then interview him because he's a big deal. We're just, <laughs> we're just cool. Yeah, oh, we're yeah. nervous. We have, uh, we have Larry Hankin on here uh, pretty soon. So we got to think, oh, cool, well, think of some cool questions. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my piece of advice to you on Larry Hankin, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, for whoever wants to hear it, if they ever have him on that man, if you ask him one question, he can just answer your whole show. <laughs> Cause I had, you know, 30 minutes. And I think my interview with him actually ended up being like 45 because, okay. you know, I had my list and he, I asked him the first question and from there, he started telling stories, and it just went right. I mean, it's like he knew the list in advance. He's oh, he's cool. a very great speaker. He loves to tell stories, and he's got some stories. Good to know. Yeah, good to know, because when I reached out to him, I was like, hey, Mr. Hankin, like, we have this show, blah, blah. And he's like, look, I only have like 30 minutes, maybe 45 tops. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. See if I can stretch <laughs> that to, to 90. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, so you mentioned earlier you had a bunch of milestones, uh, and, and that's obviously as a podcaster, I, me and Dylan can understand that. But we look for those milestones, even create our own milestones just to hit those so it feels <laughs> good. Uh, what would you say is the next milestone you're trying to achieve? Uh, so right now, kind of expanding my community interaction. That's kind of my next goal. I'd like people to kind of answer questions and, you know, throw some feedback on the Facebook pages and the Twitter and things like that. I just, you know, a little more interaction from the the fan base just to, you know, maybe if there's a question that they want me to ask, you know, I can work that into the show, things like that. Just, you know, more interaction. Yeah, that's something that we were also trying mm -hmm. to get into, and that's when we moved our show over to Twitch also, so that because uh, we we like doing a live version of our show so people can interact, which is why we have one of the reasons we have guests on, so we can just interact with somebody. But then mm -hmm. we moved our show over to Twitch so that we can have live interactions. Um, wh what's something that you're doing to try to engage more with audience members? Have you moved? Is your show a live show? Uh, it is a live show. I've I've started doing that. Um, I went from audio only to video as well. So I've you know I'm up on YouTube. I'm on all the major socials, of course. Um, and I've moved to Twitch. And um, you know I I've, I'm saying um a lot, and I'm catching it, and it's driving me nuts. That's one of the things that I really focus on when I do the interviews is not to have those pauses and go um, and here I am doing them. Uh, <laughs> the the crux of it is I'm trying to expand as far as I can, and honestly, you guys are the second podcast other than my own that I've actually been on, so I was really excited for this. Um, I think it's time to start cross promoting. Yeah, we met you on mm -hmm. a show, uh, Fick Off, right? Where uh, we kind of just create weird stories and, and do that um, just live. Uh, now, now I'm saying, um, I think I caught that. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> it is thank, contagious. So thank you for that. Now, with your show and being a voice actor, do you get to a creative spot? Do you start like maybe creating your own? I, I know that your show is your own creation, but do you write fiction? Do you try to create like scripts or movies? So I don't uh, write scripts or books or anything like that, but um, I am very heavy into the tabletop role-playing community, and I do write my own story for another podcast, uh, but it's not really one of those stories where you can sit down and read it. Uh, it is me giving a tidbit of the story, and then all of the players are donating their input which in effect changes the story yeah that's cool yeah mm -hmm. dylan is a uh he, he's a he's a big proponent of dnd he's a uh, big tabletop uh, gamer yeah, yeah. yeah. He's advanced dm is what he calls himself on <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> um so you you like to interview people and, and you're trying to learn and grow and expand your stuff who would you say is like a highlight guest that if you could get one of your top guests who would be a guest that you would like on your show Ooh, that that's that's a tough one uh well kind of talking back on milestones one of my big things is on netflix there was a, a show or we're waiting for a new season it's called the dragon prince and one of the voice actors from that he was the main antagonist and I got to do an interview with him just by reaching out on Twitter. It was kind of cool how that worked out. And 
he was kind of one of my milestones was like, Oh, I'd really like to talk to that guy. And now just to kind of show you that like, they're just people too, just trying to have fun. He is part of our show. That's actually going to be on tonight, which is our D and D show. Like he's one of the players. Oh, so, wow. Nice. Like that, that's pretty cool. You know? Wow, man, you're killing it. We're, we're, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> good you job. Have, that, you, that's awesome. Which, which edition do you guys play? Fifth? Uh, fifth, yeah. But right. it is uh, very heavy in the homebrew world. Mm -hmm. So we, we definitely go by the uh, rule of cool. Uh, oh, yeah. I let a lot of stuff slide. So, yeah, of course. Which, you know, we, we did a game. You guys were part of a game that I, I was, yeah. yeah it, it wasn't, I, it wasn't I that game. Yeah, it wasn't thick off that we that we met on. It was Shattered Dungeons. Shattered Dungeons. Yeah, the Christmas episode. The Christmas episode. Uh, that's right. Oh, that's the one where Dylan and uh, Cammy got together and formed that union with those elves. Yeah, the, the child <laughs> yeah. labor union. Yeah, oh, that's what it was. That was a, oh wow, what a great show. That was a great show. <laughs> that was a good one. Now you mentioned earlier that you are looking to voice act, and uh, Dylan and I the way we got into podcasting was writing audio dramas and having a bunch of our friends kind of act out these pieces and be, you know, voice actors as a voice actor. Do you like to do impressions or just genres of voices? That really depends on what the director's looking for. I, I don't really like to do impressions because that's not necessarily creative um that it's kind of mimicry the real creative process is when you can come up with your own thing uh but that is not to say that i won't try my best to do an impression i have maybe two to three impressions under my belt that i will let people uh listen to occasionally but <laughs> If there is one impression that I want to do more than any, it's John Malkovich. I don't know why. I think that voice is so cool. The cadence is so cool. If there is an impression that you could do, what impression do you would you want to be able to do? Uh, what would I want to do? Yeah, I don't know. Probably a better Christopher Watkin. <laughs> Everybody yeah. wants to be walking. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it, it's good. When I sunk into mine, I feel very proud of myself, and mm -hmm. it's not a place that I need to be often. Is very, very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we started podcasting because, uh, and I'm going to use the word failure. Now it wasn't necessarily a failure. We didn't really fail, but we tried to make a movie and then learn that we didn't really have all the things that we needed to do. And then obviously the world decided to have a coronavirus, so then we had to pull back and then alter and, and change. So then we got into taking our stories, moving to audio dramas. Is there a failure that happened in your life that either got you to podcasting or that you just want to talk about? Because I think those are very important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My very first attempt at podcasting <laughs> was based off of what I had spoken about earlier with people told me that I had this great knack for character voices and just the accents I could do and things like that, that I'd be so great at it. I say, you know what? You're right. 
You're you're absolutely right. I'm gonna try it. I got a couple of my friends together here in New York, and we made our first Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, I believe. Oh man, I can't even remember what it's called now. It was so long ago. That's it's terrible. It's still on YouTube. It's kind of like a uh, one of those secret things that I hope people never find. Um, the story was funny, uh, but. I, I don't know. It just, it didn't go anywhere. We got maybe one view per video. I think that one view was me checking to make sure it uploaded correctly. And, but the idea I had behind it was, I loved the idea. And that was each episode was a step back in our childhood. So the very first episode was all Dungeons and Dragons version of Super Mario Brothers. The second episode was the song Bohemian Rhapsody, but it was the story that it's telling, but as a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds kind of kind of kooky, but it, it worked. Um, so each episode was kind of neat. It went back and touched on our childhood. We had the Terminator in there. We had Ghostbusters at one point, you know, things like that. But it was a flop. It was a humongous flop. I'm not gonna lie. I think that idea sounds kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely an idea that I would have pitched to Dylan. I'm like, hey, can we pull this off? And he's like, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, we, we do that. But as Leo says, sometimes reception depends wholly on just fortunate timing for when you put it out or yeah. whoever watches it. And yeah, and knowledge. Knowledge was mm-hmm. a huge thing. I thought. I was going to record this thing, not do any kind of editing at all and just put it on Facebook and I'd be or on YouTube and I'd be good to go. Like we didn't have any social medias. We didn't have a website, nothing. I just put it on YouTube, shared it on my Facebook page, my personal one that I hoped my friends would be like, Oh yeah, I want to listen to that. Yeah. Thanks a lot, friends. <laughs> no, I remember <laughs> your your friend's engagement is exponentially lower than the people who say they'll actually listen. Right. That, and that, that was something that I learned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds kind of like how our start was because we had this idea that if we created a story but then didn't tell it from our point of view, we kind of created another person and then had him tell the story. So we created this other person, Simon Vanderbland, who has a Facebook account, he's got a YouTube channel, he has all this stuff and he's a fake person. And then we had him releasing all these podcasts. <laughs> the problem was when people tried to reach him, uh, he wasn't real and when you know, and then we tried like, no, this is actually our podcast. And we're like, no, no, that's Simon's. Like we've been noticing that he's I'm like, no, 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 Simon's not real. Like we're Simon. And it's like, oh man, we really, we really went backwards. <laughs> To be fair, I had co-workers yeah. come up and be like, so is your real name Simon? And I'm like, no, it's for a thing. Don't worry. Right, which is weird because on Facebook, my name is Noah Body. So people are like, are you Noah or are you Simon? Right. I'm like, no, I'm actually just Zach. That's fine. Zach's cool. Right. Combine well, the two, I mean, it's kind of close. Yeah. You guys, you guys saw what happened with, with me and us and our interaction. Like, everybody thinks that my name is Leo, which is fair. My, I mean, I do not. Ray does not have a personal Facebook account. I don't have a Twitter. I don't, none of that. I got rid of it all and I assumed my podcast as my identity. So people that 
I reach out to to come on for an interview, they're oh Leo, that sounds great. I've just stopped correcting them. I'm like, yeah, I'm Leo now. Like that, let's do it. Yeah, that's cool. You need you need one more layer because currently I'm Zach as Noah Body as Simon Vanderbland as Silicon <laughs> Angels. <laughs> that, that's that's a deep cake you got there, and yeah. no one and no one cares. That's the, like no, it's a joke for me and, and Dylan only, which is great. Right. <laughs> uh, being in New York, and we like to ask this question because it can sometimes bring up a very weird story but being in new york it seems like a lot of people there have their celebrity interaction where they're just doing something like getting a cup of soup or eating a bagel and uh they encounter a celebrity at at something or doing something do you have a cool celebrity encounter a weird celebrity experience in my little neck of the woods i unfortunately we're in a very small town uh there's no i think the next town up which is about 20 miles away i believe that is the town where uh bill pullman was born uh but beyond that we don't have a, a huge celebrity imprint here however i do have a celebrity story if you are interested in, in taking a minute to hear it um so i was active duty uh in the air force and we were traveling from my first base up to alaska and we were taking the ferry from Washington. And back in yesteryear, um, I was a bit heftier than I am right this moment. And which, you know, my diet's working great. Woo. Um, but anyway, I was a bit heftier at the time. I had like kind of a goatee thing going on because I had been on leave for a while. And we're on this ferry. We're going along. Everything's cool. Um, in the military, a lot of people always said that I looked like Danny McBride. I just kind of resembled him with my goatee okay. and uh, like my my kind of you know girth. And anyway, so we're on this ferry. We were we'd stopped and did a layover in Juneau. We were switching to the new ferry, and on a ferry, the hallways are very thin and small and so we were going to our room on the right and there was a couple that was on the ferry with us before and they were going on the left and we were trying to get our door open and i kind of heard them talking a little bit and she's like no i'm telling you that's him it's him and i'm not kidding you the guy comes over and he says excuse me have you ever heard of the show eastbound and down i was like i know man i get that all the time i look like danny mcbride he's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. There's a, there's a subtle resemblance. A yeah. skinnier, more handsome, uh, with a better voice, <laughs> Danny McBride, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we got, we got celebrity we'll confusion the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's that? Uh, you, someone said uh, Axl Rose or Duck Dynasty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not both? Podcasting Moby said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a weird show. That was um, <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Always uh, right. yeah, if we can give you some problem. suggestions, uh, check into the shows that you agreed to go on to, because uh, sometimes you don't want to get in the conversation <laughs> that you might get into. <laughs> yeah. Also, the guests, because I've had your guests. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, when we first started doing this, we're like, "Hey, I'm gonna Dylan, I'm gonna get us on all these shows just to get our name out there." And then, like the very first show we did, the guy started saying a couple words. That I'm like, "Hey, uh, now nah, that we're, we're out of here, we're out of here, we gotta go." 
um i have been talking the entire time and i usually don't let dylan speak very much dylan do you happen to have any questions for uh leo it works for me um so yeah i've I've got just a few questions just about um on kind of inspiration front you will count uh you're very into voice acting is there anyone that you um feel has particularly drawn you to that sphere Um, of uh performance or is there someone that you look to as kind of a I guess, yeah, just an inspiration in voice acting. There are quite a few, honestly. Um, but <laughs> I'm not going to lie. What really drew me to this was my wife. She backs me in everything I do from the podcast to the voice acting. I, you know, I, when I first started, I was doing three interviews a day and every day of the week. And she was cool with it. You know, she helped me build the sound booth that I'm in. She bought all the equipment for me because I was wanting to be cheap. And she said, no, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it right. So she got me the pop filter, the microphone, you know, everything. She bought me a brand new laptop. Like she's an amazing person. So anyway, she sent me to a place called GalaxyCon. And it was in Raleigh, North Carolina at that particular time. And there was huge people there. There was um, Will Wheaton was there, Jonah Hill, uh, Summer Glau. There was just a bunch of people. So I get down there, and I had no clue what was about to happen. I was just running around like a crazy kid in a candy store, just dropping money. Like, sign this, sign that, sign my face. Uh, you know, let's take a selfie. Um, and... I got around the corner and there was four people sat right in a row and it was Chris Rager, Josh Martin, um, Cynthia Kranz and Colleen Clinkenbeard. And they are in no particular order, Mr. Satan, Boo, from, this is all from Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> Chi Chi and um, Colleen did um, the voice of Luffy for uh one piece okay um i am not an overly huge anime fan but voice acting i mean that's anime and meeting them and getting to talk to them like off the record we went away from the tables and they were just chatting with me they were the coolest people i had ever met and chris rager also does the voice of one of my favorite characters in Borderlands 2. So just talking to them and realizing, holy cow, they're people who worked hard at their craft to get where they are. I want to be like that. I want to do that. So then every actor that I talked to after that, that's all I could think about was, man, they worked so hard to get to this position. They're, so honestly, all those people I listed, even the actual actors, because I plan on doing live action movies as well. Um, all of them, just huge inspirations. Yeah, right on. Uh, and I guess one, we got time for one more. If you could be in any any project as the star, either voice acting, live action, any any project, is there any particular one that you would kill for? I'm not going to lie. I would bury bodies in the desert to be part of Borderlands like four, like just to be a video game, like an iconic character. That would Mm -hmm. just be 
that'd be awesome. Run on. (laughs) Borderlands, two questions. One, do you do a cool, weird Australian accent? Because I think you kind of have to. I mean, I have one that I do. I wouldn't say it's cool. It's it's meant to be more annoying. Um, But my last character that I played, which um, has died in Shattered Dungeons, he had an Australian accent. And I actually sought the counsel of an actual Australian to help with my accent and some of the the words they say. And she sent me a list of commonly used phrases and I would just pull it up and have it off to the side so I could sit there and, you know, be like, all right, that's fad dinkum. You know, just. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good. All right. And my next question, only because it's crossed my path uh, Mm -hmm. very, very recently, but Kevin Hart was recently cast as Roland. How do you feel about that? You know, as long as he can pull it off. Uh, I, everybody, I feel like everybody has a shot. As long as you can pull it off, do the character justice, commit to it and, and own that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. But I mean, we'll he, he see. that is a hardworking dude. So I'll, I'll give mm-hmm. him that. We'll see how that goes. But okay, Dylan, do you have any more yes. questions or do you want to get into our shebang? I think I'm good to go. Is that a word? Shebang? That's a thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Mr. Leo, before we get into what we're doing, one last time, tell people to name your show, where they can find it, sell me anything. Right. So, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just type the Leo effects. Uh, if you go to Google, you can type the Leo effects and all my stuff pops up. You'll see tons of interviews. Uh, it, anywhere podcasts, I mean, the, the main ones you got, uh, what, what do we got? Um, uh, Man, Stitcher, I can't even remember now. Spotify, Apple, yeah, Deezer, all them. You got TuneIn. You got <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, I'm on some of the bigger ones too, like iHeartRadio. Um, I'm on. Um, I'm still trying for Pandora. That one's taking a little bit longer than it's forever. Supposed to. It does. Um, but you know, I'm on there. I'm on Amazon Music. So if you go to your Alexa and you tell her, "Hey Alexa, play the Leo effects," guess what? I'll start talking. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that that's right. really about it. Man, why, why, why are we on Alexa, Dylan? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, is that my job? You didn't get the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about this later, Dylan, wherever you're done. Okay, so Leo. Where's my pillowcase what? with the brick in it? <laughs> I've, already, I've already used it. It's in the car. Um, okay, so <laughs> what we do here. Behind them. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been using them to build Grimwise uh, some nobody studios. Um, okay, so what we do here is uh, throughout the week, Dylan will come up with a very weird idea, and he doesn't tell me about it, and I'll do the same thing, and I'll talk to him about it. And then in our meetings, we throw the idea out, and then we fight about it until we started getting guests. Now we make them decide. So mm-hmm. we're going to pitch a couple ideas to you, have not thought about these ideas, and then together, we're going to figure out what this is. So Dylan, I think you should go first this time. All right. So, um, I've been watching a fair amount of fantasy stuff like that and action movies. And I was thinking, you remember, Zach, I was at your place. This is back in the summer. We watched Artemis Fowl, uh, <laughs> which is a bad movie. It's a, it's a fun series for kids, but man, that movie is bad. So I was yeah. thinking like, what if we did like, not Die Hard, but some sort of like 
like a leprechaun gets found, like they find a leprechaun and they take him hostage. And then the leprechaun somehow gets word out to his like buddies in the fairy underworld or something. And so they have to stage like an expendable style, like rescue mission for him. You know, that's, that's pretty interesting because you know, that, that is, I, whenever somebody finds a leprechaun, they always do whatever the leprechaun says, like, here's yeah. my riddle. So what if somebody just like started uh, just terrorizing that or, or, or waterboarding them or something? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not here for your gold. I'm here yeah. for you. Like, yeah. No, no, you have to answer my riddles three. I'm like, no, waterboard, waterboard, waterboard. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, the story that I had in mind, and uh, I, I tend to keep in like the weird sci-fi realm, but I had this idea that in the future they would probably invent a pill that kind of cures all of your things and brings you back to, I guess, your your birth style. Like it would remove your scars, that kind of thing. But if somebody had a Siamese twin that was cut off earlier or whatever, or died in the womb, and they took this pill and that Siamese twin popped back. So it's like, it, it's like a, maybe a God pill that brings you back to like your stem cell origin, but you were supposed to have a Siamese twin and that twin comes back. You've watched Total Recall recently? <laughs> All I can I know. think of is Quanto. Not, yeah, yeah not, not like that. Think, <laughs> think of like um, the, the the stuck 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 to you movie with uh Matt Damon, where it's just like the two people fully formed and they're just attached to the hip, but the person didn't know they had one earlier, and when they take this medicine or whatever, it it brings this person back. I I don't know now that I said out loud that's a good idea, but that's what I'm gonna go with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Dylan's uh, Dylan's idea, which is about a military man who uh, finds a leprechaun, leprechaun, yeah, finds a leprechaun and then uh, tries to, I guess, torture him to find his stuff, um, eh, whatever. So I don't. What, what do you want to call this quick story, Dylan? Do you have an uh, idea? Nothing yet. Um, okay. Lep recon. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What? It's like the Repo Man, but Lep, Leprechaun. Lep Recon. Lep? Oh, L-E-P Recon. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's weird. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, and I'm going to call mine just for right now because I said it accidentally earlier and I didn't like it, but now it's stuck. I'm going to call mine the God Pill. Oh, All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So we have, you get to choose between uh, what Dylan is currently calling Lep Recon uh, or unfortunately what i call the god pill um the leo effects do us the favor and the honor of choosing one of these two stories and see where this thing goes i have a question about the god pill real quick Perfect. so are we sold on the fact that you're gonna have a siamese twin no i i like i like the idea of having something done in your past that now gets returned i i don't think it has to be siamese when i think that was just the most visual thing that popped my brain first but no i'm definitely not sold on that okay so if i'm understanding this correctly it's gonna re basically reset you to the beginning what if you were born with a birth defect but had it corrected does the pill undo the correction i mean that's kind of what i'm getting here that's a good question and something that we can go down if you choose. The God pill. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm thinking if you got a Siamese twin, you're connected at the hip. Okay, whatever. Just pss, chop that, you know, chop it and boom, you're good to go. But now that could uh, be another person. Does it affect right. you? 
teeth fillings. <laughs> oh, I, I guess the way I would see it is whatever your code says you're supposed to be as an adult, you would turn into that okay. thing. So, like, if you had scars, like, say you lost your arm, your arm would grow back. Uh, and that's what was, that was the conception of the idea. And I'm like, ew, what if somebody had a Siamese twin? Would that grow back? Right. Uh, not, not the ooh about that part, but, like, the growing back part. Um, but, yeah, that, that was the idea. But, yeah, so it's pretty much you take a pill that reverts you back to your original code, whether that's good or bad. Okay, okay. And the leprechaun, are we talking your iconic Lucky Charms, or are we talking Leprechaun like the movie? So there's not too much of a difference of those, but this is Dylan's story. <laughs> I, I was thinking pretty close, pretty close to a traditional Leprechaun, so that way you okay. could have the um, juxtaposition of like, oh, and then also we're raiding a military base to break a hostage out. <laughs> Oh man, that's actually that's a, that's a really good story. <laughs> that is, that is. So, I mean, I'm kind of drawn to both, honestly, but I'm not going to do that thing where I choose both. Oh, thank you. That is thank so you. hard. <laughs> I I heard I've heard that that happens quite a bit. So I'm not going to go down. Hey, everybody! This is what happens when you research a show you're going on. Uh, so <laughs> pay attention, take notes, take notes. Uh, so we're going to go with military lep recon. Perfect. Right. I'm not going to lie to you. I was kind of going that way myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Dylan, my yeah. very best friend, great job coming up with this idea. And now we're going to take some time and work out this story and see what that's going to be. Yeah. Who knows? But first, we're going to say some thanks to some people. International Broadcast Media Television, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to hang out with my best friend who is sitting right there. And we just chat about dumb stuff like sci-fi and sometimes pills, but not like that. Mostly God pills. Behind the, <laughs> pod- <laughs> Behind the Bits Podcast. If you're a fan of any kind of interview podcast or comedians or anything that might be funny, go check out Scott Curtis at Behind the Bits. He's an awesome dude. He helps us out a lot. And he's got an award-winning interview show. You can listen to that show uh, and other shows on Listener App. If you like podcasts, you don't want to always listen to it. You kind of want to read the words sometimes and be able to save the jokes. I talk a lot. Sometimes I mumble and slur. You might not be able to hear all of it. But on Listener App, you can actually read it. So on Instagram, go to at the greatest podcast app listener is awesome and some east coast friends we have uh tony sheck uh sarah takachik and a good group of nerds if you're into some nerdy geek stuff go check out the scene snobs those guys have some weird stuff they're talking about currently wandavision uh everything terminator and jaws they have great interviews some really really weird stuff so go check out the scene snobs and uh yeah dylan you ready to get into this let's do it and mr leo as ready as i'll never be let's let's get this going my headphones seem a little weird today. A little silent. <laughs> okay, so Dylan, you yeah. had the idea that a military man finds a leprechaun. The leprechaun most likely has a reason to get gold. And this military man, I'm going to say man, uh, this military sure. person um, decides to circumvent all, <laughs> all of that. That's an Arrested Development joke. And <laughs> torture for the information. Yeah, I think into, so. Which turns into almost a, a John Wick situation, reverse John yeah. Wick situation. We're now going to call it the Artemis Fowl effect. Okay, uh, Leo, when, when you think of a story like this, this this seems like an encapsulated story, right? You don't see this as a series or reading this, right? It seems maybe like a movie or, right? Like, I, like I, a, I kind of feel like it, it's 
probably better as a movie with possibly a terrible sequel. Yeah. Perfect. All right. <laughs> this time it's personal. Last time the take them hot. I love that. Yeah. Now give me your gold. It's like what? All I have is fillings. <laughs> okay, so we're we're looking at a movie with a possible sequel. I think that's a I think that's a good yeah. uh, thing of this. So obviously we're going to start a solo timeline. Now, Dylan, as always, mm. we got to get some characters going on. Yeah, uh, and I think that this one is a little more character driven than some of our stories. So let's talk about this uh, military person. What are you? Uh, where where are they when they find the leprechaun? Are they on well, mission or are they on leave? It it depends. Um, well, who incites the meeting? Who who? What the initiating incident is? Whether the leprechaun goes to the the man for some reason, or the man finds the leprechaun out there. Um, we could do a bit about the leprechaun going to Fort Knox, where allegedly all the gold is. Um. Yeah, I could have that, that actually sounds like a better sequel. It's like <laughs> okay. now, now I'm getting now I'm getting my gold. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, Leo, when it comes to most leprechaun stories, what is a traditional way a person stumbles upon a leprechaun? Uh, they follow the rainbow. All right, cool. So let's just say that this military person is either on leave or on a mission, and they happen to be stationed at the end of a rainbow or close. Is that, okay. is that a feasible start? Or what, what do you think, Dylan? I don't know if they're stationed there, but I think that there should be, depending on how we want to paint the character of the guy, he could have some personal, I don't know, maybe his grandparents are from Ireland or something like that, and they have like a family, you know, yeah, yeah, it's family, it's just a family thing they talk about, where it's like, yeah, it's right. not true, it's not true, but you know that they used, you know, if you ever have any trouble, you can find someone who can help at the end of a rainbow. So he, so this the military person goes on leave to Ireland to visit family, and that's where they see a rainbow, which ignites the the story. Like I guess I'll find the end of this thing. I got nothing else to do. Is it that? I it depends. Do we want? I'm I'm a little hung up on the idea that this guy is hunting down a leprechaun for a specific reason. I, I don't. I I don't. Okay. Honestly, I don't like them hunting a leprechaun down. I like them okay. finding a leprechaun and then okay. being very right. angry by the series of events they have to do. Okay. So I would prefer if they stumbled upon the leprechaun somehow. Okay. Okay. Um, I like the idea that they're on leave or they're stationed somewhere. Because there, there is maybe something interesting about being on a military mission and like doing recon and like, What's that noise? And they go over and there's just like a leprechaun there. Like it starts off as like a very gritty, almost war movie. Yeah. In the, in, in the very beginning of it, they stumble upon a leprechaun. Are they doing a military exercise or is this an actual operation? Oh. Hmm. What do you think, Neil? So kind of how I'm, I'm envisioning this going to, to keep up with everything that we've talked about so far is he i feel like he would be part of like the royal air force or something in england uh and he's visiting family in ireland and somehow stumbles across this be it on uh training like maybe he's doing drills uh maybe they're doing recon or something um 
it, it yeah. also depends on the the time frame of the movie. Like, is there a greater overarching theme? Is this kind of a, a futuristic where maybe some form of invader has come back to England and you know, something like that, or is this just nowadays and they're on training missions? I, I do. I like nowadays. I think that's interesting. Yeah, okay. I also we, like. Oh, go ahead, Dylan. No, we could frame it in like the return of King Arthur to England, but King Arthur is like a fairy king. Whoa. And yeah. so twist okay. that a little bit or like has spent so long in the land of like fairy that he's become part fae or something like that. But at the, at the, I'd initially just the vision I had for this was as simple as military captures a leprechaun. And whoever the leprechaun is friends with organizes like the team to es- extract him. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I like maybe the leprechaun's mission is the thing that pushes the sequel. Like I, I like maybe the leprechaun doing something bad, but when he gets caught by the military person, that's when he puts out that kind of initial signal, which yeah. kind of brings on the onslaught. So we don't really know what the leprechaun's up to. Um, it just kind of brings on this thing, which I guess the fairy king is like, we got to get our person back, uh, whatever. They, they're they're missing. I have a question, Zach. Oh, please. Who do you feel would make a better point of view character for this story? The military guy, the leprechaun, a third party? Uh, because I think we should go into this knowing whose story we're going to focus on primarily. I like I like the military person being the window character because I think that this story is odd enough that we want to root for the military and root against the leprechaun. I don't know why. That's kind of just what I'm feeling. <laughs> okay. So like, I, I think the sequel though should be the same movie but told from the leprechaun's perspective. Yeah, cool. Com- completely agree. Could not agree more. But I think this one should be like we we find uh, we find the military person and they're doing whatever they're doing. They stumble mm-hmm. upon a leprechaun and uh, and the leprechaun's in a place they're not supposed to be. That, that's it, you know. Now, granted, they're a leprechaun, whatever. But this military person's like, "What are you doing here?" And they kind of capture him, and the leprechaun's like, "With these riddles, three, I grant wishes, three. And you're like, "What? No! What are you doing here?" And uh, then they tase him. Yeah, and then the leprechaun's like, don't you want all of my gold? Everyone wants my gold. And then we have ways of getting gold out of you and uh, <laughs> or your, your secrets or whatever. And that's, that's the moment that, like, the, the, the um, what is it? Uh, the leprechaun uh, just puts out that weird shock wave signal that sure. is like, the, it's like the house uh, alert thing for leprechauns. And then all weird, like, wooden creatures just run off and everybody's like, what, what just happened? But they all go tell everyone, you know, because they use uh, the woodland creatures to, to get that thing going. Yeah. we If we're going to follow the military folks, we should probably give them a reason to suspect the leprechaun of doing something shady. Otherwise, we are sympathetic to people who are waterboarding a person they've captured. <laughs> if, yeah, we want to differentiate that. If I'm ever in a place I'm not supposed to be, I assume I'm going to get waterboarded. I think that's how everyone reacts. I have no idea. Uh, but let's just say maybe, okay, let, let's maybe take out the Royal Air Force part. I, I like the idea of maybe the leprechaun trying to steal gold. Because um, that way, like, when, when the military finds him, he, he is doing something. And I think all leprechauns are thought of as, like, oh, they're probably good. 
<laughs> they're they're small. They're they're fun. They're, they're, uh, they're mischievous, but not harmful. Yeah. So let's put, really other viewed. Let's put the leprechaun in a place that it should not be. And I think breaking into Fort Knox is kind of funny. Like if the mill, if if the leprechaun is like walking around Fort Knox, and then like somebody on patrol finds him. Uh, them, the leprechaun, and it's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I, you know, that's when the whole riddle thing kicks in. How do you feel about that? Mere Leo. Either? Oh. <laughs> I'll start with you, Dylan. I I like the idea that I'm, I'm seeing the start of this. We see the main character on some sort of exercise, and they get back to base, and weird stuff has been happening. Like, they make reference to like, I don't know, maybe we do some old folklore stuff where it's like the milk in the canteen fridge is curdled, despite the fact that it was bought the other day, uh, or there's clover growing in people's like beds or something, you know, in their cots. Or, we, we do a bunch of weird folklore stuff. And in the initial, you know, after that first 10 minutes or so, there's a scramble on the base as an intruder alert goes out. And I kind of like the idea that they, the actual capture of the leprechaun kind of happens off screen and then. Hello? Uh oh. <laughs> oh no, Dylan's gone. Yeah. All right, well, I'm, I'm okay with that. I like the idea of it being captured off screen and then there being like maybe just that weird like hallway walking with papers and you're like, what, what's happening? And then you open the door and there's like maybe just like a leprechaun sitting in a chair and like just behind like the glass, like the double pane glass thing. And uh, yeah. What, what do you think? Is, is, is that a cool opening Leo? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would be a really, or like when they open the door, the leprechaun is like in a, in a true lies kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so okay. yeah, so we're I, talking I about gotta establish though, real quick it, is this an action movie or is this a comedy or what? What are we working with here? I think I think that it is an action comedy. I mean, obviously, it's gonna it's gonna push into comedy because uh, somebody at some point is probably gonna punch a leprechaun with a phone book. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I think, I think Pirates of the Caribbean style. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Totally. That. That's like perfect. An, an action. An action romp, but the stakes are potentially pretty high for people. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we, we so we were talking, Dylan, about how yeah. uh, you get that scene where like people are walking down the hallway with like folders, and then they walk into an interrogation room, and then behind the two pane glass, you just see like the leprechaun just sitting in the chair, looking mm -hmm. like he's been there for quite a while. Yeah. And that, that's kind of where we're at. And then uh, Leo mentioned that it should turn to like a true lies situation, which I think is yeah. uh, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Dylan, what do you think this first arc should kind of encapsulate? I'm seeing. I'm just. I'm just going to go through a few different like scene ideas I had. I think a lot of this is going to be interrogating the leprechaun and not necessarily like in a torture method, but more like we start off with people just on the base interrogating the leprechaun about how he got in there and who he is. And we get the obvious call out where it's like, I mean, he's short. He's got red hair. He's dressed like that. Do you think he, I mean, you know, my family's from the area and she can, they can have an Irish accent or something. It's like, they're not, a this, this person is not a leprechaun. They're a homeless man or something like that. And then does something expressly magical 
And then there's word from someone higher in the chain of command, and it pretty, becomes pretty clear that they've known about the existence of whatever fairy world this is. Yeah, are, are you going to dip? In, are you going to dip into the government cover-up thing where, like, the leprechaun gets released, and then one cop is like, "Damn it, not this time! Not on! <laughs> yeah, we're not going to let these paper pushers get this out of the way. I'm going to get to the bottom of the leprechaun." We could partially do that. Um, if we want a ticking clock, it could be that they are sending someone from Central Command to pick it up and transport the Leprechaun to a more secure facility. And then the Leprechaun hears that and is like, oh, and then sends out whatever signal. And then that way the Leprechaun like rescue team has a time clock to get him out of there. Okay, now here's a question. Okay. To Dylan first. Is this a rescue team? Or is it an assassination mission? Like, are the are the fairies against the leprechaun for something? Maybe he gave them information, and that's what like sent out. Like, they're like, we gotta murder uh, this guy. The world of leprechaun politics is far more cutthroat than humans. So you think it's gonna be a rescue mission, and then the leprechaun got captured is viewed as like incompetent or something by one of the people on the rescue team, and the rescue team guy is just like. You are irresponsible, McClarky. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his name is. <laughs> McClarky. McClarky. <laughs> uh, I, like, I like the idea of, like, say, uh, like, they're doing the interrogation, and, you know, the one cop is like, just tell us whatever the thing, I don't, I don't care, just just tell us. And then there's, like, this alarm go off, and the cop's like, damn it, Johnson, what's going on out there? And somebody's like, there's, like, a bunch of animals in the foyer, but the leprechaun is starting to get like upset and he's like oh you think your friends are gonna come and get you out of here and he's like no no please you you have to protect me now and then it's like just a bunch of deer and like <laughs> running around the police station and we're like why are you guys scared of this so yeah. I, I like this I, I like how this is turning into uh, um, does, right, the, so- does the wildlife rampage happen in the first act as a as like a sign that we should take this seriously yeah i think the first act should get up until we find out that the leprechaun is not good uh, i okay. think it should be like it should be uh uh discovery and then interrogation and then some information and then the turn to oh these things also want to kill the leprechaun and now the military people have to kind of protect him cool i like yeah. it okay so we're gonna start the first act up until the lep assassination Assassin, assass. How do you spell that? A s s a s s i n. Yeah, That's why I write such scribbly, so people know that it's spelled correctly. Okay, so we have the first act here. Zoom in on that. No. Okay, so what is the the whole next act is attack on attack on the base. Sultan precinct, whatever. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. it's the it's the military base locking down because they think that they. I'm still I'm still I like the idea that the rescue team has a bad faith operator on it who is going to take. It's just like you're too much trouble. This is the third time you've been captured by, and we find out this has happened before. But I, the second act is the military base bunkering down and really defending against the oncoming one. With the revelation that, for some reason, it's in their best interest to protect this leprechaun. Cool. Now, at some point, is there going to be the scene where uh, the bad guys get the leprechaun, and then like the leprechaun's like walking away, and it looks back at the one cop that found him, and then the cop's like, 
I feel like something suspicious is going on. And then he saves the leprechaun again, or are we just kind of just getting to, this is an all out onslaught. They know they got to protect this creature. I think you have that moment where everybody's under fire and the leprechaun rescue team is about to do something to like the human point of view character. And then the leprechaun captive like saves him somehow. And you get a, that kind of side eye respect look that they kind of give each other Yeah. before. And then they have to hustle him out. Cause you know, we're under attack and then they have a quiet moment where they have conversation back and forth. And you'll learn from the leprechaun that things uh, can be just as messy in the fairy world as they are in, you know, human politic. So would you say that the, the middle arc ends with the knowledge of like what, what the, not the rules, but like what's happening to him behind the scenes. That's when the world opens up for us as the audience where we learn um, (laughs) what, what if the leprechaun signal was intercepted by like subversive elements in the fairy kingdom? And that's who sent the, and so at a certain point towards the end of the second act, the leprechaun captain is like, listen, I recognize that beard anywhere. That's, you know, Seamus's Raiders or whatever name we're going to give them. It's like a, <laughs> an underground splinter sect of, I don't know. I'm going, <laughs> we started Wait, this story. We started this story off on a on a wacky premise already, and I'm just leaning yeah. into it. No, I, I'm loving this story. I think this is really cool. I'm just trying to understand like the characters that you're building now. Now, is the Seamus uh, the, the 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 Seamus uh, Splinter Group are they the are they the rescue team or is Seamus the name of the original Leprechaun? I figured Seamus is the name of the um, who's the bad guy from Die Hard. Yeah, Hans. Oh, Hans Gruber. Gruber? Oh, okay. Hans yeah. Gruber. He's the leader of this like revolution, a radical cell of leprechaun extremists, or something <laughs> like that. They don't believe right. humans should have gold at all. Right. So, okay. So the bad guys get the same notification as every other woodland creature, fairy tale, folklore thing, and yeah. their their mission is to. They're also there to kill the leprechaun, or they're there to try to steal the leprechaun. I figured they were there to kill him. Okay, cool. But also, the rest of the fairy people are there to kill him, also. Well, initially, I had, initially it had been one, but I kind of like the idea that two teams show up from different factions in the fairy world to rescue this guy or yeah. kill him. All right. So, what if, say, this leprechaun? Uh, was a pretty big deal in like the leprechaun society or whatever the bureaucracy mm-hmm. is of the lep people. And they left they left them and went to join this rogue group and then left that rogue group to do their own thing, which is why everyone's looking for them to just kind of take him out. Is that is that kind of where we're at? Yeah, I or think so. That... Cool. Okay, so if if the second act ends with the knowledge of like what's going on and how everyone's trying to uh, get this leprechaun and kind of destroy this thing. Yeah. Where do you want to see this last act going? Stonehenge. Mm. If we're setting this in, an, in a British Air Force base, <laughs> Stonehenge is only a few, a, a few hours away. Okay. And... Rest. What 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 is that Stonehenge? 
we don't have to do anything as obvious as it's got a secret underground entrance or something like that. It can be just as simple as like we have to make the handoff at a place of power. Okay. And, and Stonehenge is the only one remaining or something, you know. Yeah. But my question is are wh- who's getting tur- what's getting turned over to who? So that's a little bit of world building. Leo, what are you thinking? <laughs> okay, so if we're gonna if we're gonna end in Stonehenge and we're going yeah. to and your idea is that we're going to do a, a, a transfer, a handover, is this gold for the leprechaun? Hmm. Or is this I yeah, what 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 what's the transfer? That, that's what I guess yeah, I don't what's the ultimate I, goal here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I like maybe. Um, I, I guess a possible ending could be that the the leprechaun join. We do like the catch me if you can situation where uh, the leprechaun turns into Frank Abagnale and then kind of opens up a sect of like uh, that's where the Hellboy people start. I don't know. Nick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, how about? Hmm. Is the leprechaun going to die at the end and then pass along some pretty important information to the military man? Is the leprechaun going to get away scot-free and everyone is looking for him still, which is why there's a pretty bad sequel? Is, does the leprechaun ultimately steal the Rolex watch of the military man who found him and then drats? <laughs> I, I like the idea of him being some sort of important figure. And so once they realize who he is kind of in their society, he's the humans are like, well, I mean, hell if he's innocent and the people who are after him are going to try and kill him, it's our duty to get him back where he needs to be alive. And so So the last third is them leaving the base with him. And it becomes not like, I guess a chase, but kind of like a, you know, a, uh, travel across the countryside to Stonehenge where they can like drop him off with uh, loyal loyalists, I guess. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that maybe the leprechaun is the the fairy prince. I was, going, I was going, yeah, I like that to the king at Stonehenge. And the king can only appear at Stonehenge because, as you said, it's a place of power and it's got to be during the full moon. Yeah, I like that idea because I was thinking that if this leprechaun had to be the one in power, but if the other people that were going to be in power, if this leprechaun were not there, they're the ones trying to get him. Uh, so I like him being like a prince, uh, like a leprechaun prince. I think that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird, but cool. Okay, so we have maybe there's like a leprechaun king or something, and uh, this king dies. And the people that know that a leprechaun prince is going to come in, uh, into power, they're like, we got to kill this dude. The mm-hmm. leprechaun leaves. But that happens all off screen beforehand. Yeah. So we pick up with these uh, Royal Air Force Base people uh, just patrolling something, coming across the leprechaun. And the leprechaun, because he's a prince and he wants a regular leprechaun life, he tries to give him a riddle to give him some gold because he's a prince. He's got a bunch of gold. Yeah. Nobody cares. Here's a riddle. I just want to be it's, normal. It's leprechaun. a compulsion. Then it cuts into having 
an interrogation scene. The military does not know what the leprechaun's up to, but they want those lep secrets. So yeah. they start interrogating him and maybe possible waterboarding. I don't really know how that works. I think that's illegal now. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's also the Royal Air Force, so who knows? Okay. And then we get into what the military thinks is a jailbreak. And now the military is like, you think you're going to get out of here so easy? Boom. And then they're punching the gut. But then they go out there, and apparently they're trying to kill the leprechaun, not rescue him. So now the military people are inadvertently on the side of the leprechaun while this whole shenanigans is going on. Then we get up to just an all-out Artemis Fowl, John Wick-style fight where Dylan, soon I'm going to ask you for some different fairy tales or folklores that are sure. going to be involved in this fight because we've got to see what we're dealing with here. And that's going to get to the point where in, like I guess, the end of the second act, and that's where... The leprechaun, through whatever series of events, relieves uh, the, the tale. Just tells everything what's going on. My dad was the leprechaun king. He unfortunately got poisoned. And now these two different factions of people are trying to get over and they're trying to kill me. And I guess at some point that gets us down to the transfer of power, uh, which is the military handing over the leprechaun prince to the leprechaun government. So, if we want to get into some folklore, um, generally, Leprechaun and kind of like any of these um, mythological figures from this part of the world, from like England, Ireland, Scotland, that sort of spot, tend to belong to the Fae, which is kind of like this nebulous collection of otherworldly figures. And they are generally divided into, at least in pop culture, which has become kind of the standard norm, the Winter Court, the Summer Court. And then the wild hunt tends to be kind of like this ambiguous third party to the fey courts. So if we want, he could be a member of like the summer court. And then there is like, maybe he, maybe he is like a human sympathizer or something. So radical elements of the summer court are sending a group to take him out. And then the Winter Court is seizing this as an opportunity to wipe out part of their competition. So you have these dueling fairy factions invading a military base. And at first the humans are like, how, how are they attacking so many places at once? We didn't know they had this kind of numbers. And then it turns out it's not just one force, it's two. And then you have to like kind of play them off each other. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, you could have, you could have um, one of the members of the human party be a collaborator with the Fae because they were a changeling and replaced when they were a baby? Yes. Yeah, that sounds way <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, what is this ending going to look like? How, how do we wrap this story up before we kind of get into some details? I'm seeing... <clears throat> I'm seeing... <laughs> a hold the line moment where they are opening a portal in one of the doorways of Stonehenge. And it's like, you see the line of light in the middle and it starts to widen. It's like... We have 10 minutes until the portal's open wide enough to get them through, and then they have to hold off at Stonehenge against, like, a fairy assault. And <laughs> that's when you pull out the big, like, CGI stuff. Yeah. Cool. Who, oh, who no. Was... They brought the troll. Yeah. <laughs> giants uh, haven't been... What are you talking about? Giants haven't been spotted in Scotland in centuries. Well, it's time to reset the clock, and then... <laughs> There's, like, a board somewhere on the base that says, Days Since Last Giant Attack. And they have to turn it back to zero. I love that. <laughs> um, who wants the prince back? The Raven Queen. 
The Raven Queen. Yeah. Sure. Because Mab, Mab or Titania, one of the fairy queens. Yeah. Okay, so when 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 they get the leprechaun back, what what's the point? Like, what are they trying to do? Is just like restructure their their uh, government or d- to put power in the proper place? Like, what what is the goal of getting this leprechaun back to where he goes? We have a few options, I think. Um, if we want to oh. go big, is there a thing where like they have to get him back because all along the world? The like the folklore is starting to take over different things because they're all running rampant. Is that what we're doing? Potentially. Yeah, I was just gonna say it depends on how big of a spectacle we want. Um, we could have it that because he's an important member of like a fae family or royalty or something like that, his absence or imprisonment has caused like if he's a member of the summer court, maybe you know, global temperatures are rising far faster than they might think, or like it's mid-May and the leaves are already turning brown on the trees because there's like a power disruption. Or we just do a full-on like global folklore unbalancing, something like that. Yeah, Leo, what do you think? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I I think you're right in that there needs to be some sort of larger stakes than just getting this guy back home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leo, what do you think would be a good reason we would want the leprechaun to go back with his people? A uh, good reason for him to go back. I, I agree. I think some kind of disruption, like even just magic in general is disrupted because maybe the Fey are not meant to be out of the Fey wild for that long and it's creating problems. Cool. You know, maybe magical portals are opening everywhere and like random creatures are just popping out all over the place. And is that is that the cause of him leaving to begin with? Like, is that yeah. how we, we start this story by finding out that magic is kind of just starting and like magic's going a little bit out of control. Some plants are See, growing a little bit too wild. Like, I think ma- that yeah. works. It gives you that countdown as well. Like mm-hmm. if we don't get him back, this is going to be bad. Love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, do you want yeah. to like kind of sum up what we're doing here real fast and kind of get us into a linear style? Yeah. So uh, here on Talking Upstream, for those of you who are just joining in, because we haven't done an update yet. Uh, my name is Dylan. Uh, this is Zach, and we are joined by our friend Leo from the Leo Effects. I'm just going to bounce him on the screen for a little bit there. Uh, and Talking Upstream is a roughly 90-minute uh, writer's room conversation between Zach and I of some nobodies. And whoever we have on this week, a.k.a. Leo. And this week we are doing a story idea about what started off as a leprechaun leaving their home world and getting captured by the military. And then people trying to get him back, which has turned into. I'm just going to hit all these plot points that I think we've hit up. So we start off with a leprechaun getting captured on an Air Force base. We don't necessarily see it, but we see the effects of its presence with, like we said, grass sprouting in the cracks between the floor tiles. Uh, the wildlife around this Air Force, uh, Royal Air Force Base in England getting really kind of agitated and various other signs that something is stri- strange and out of uh, the natural order. Um, we see that they have captured a leprechaun, straight up leprechaun, a, fa- a figure from the Fae. And they're being very tight-lipped about what, why they're there. But word is that the higher-ups have been contacted and don't know what to do with them. It's just a matter of holding him until he gets there. Of course, there's um, 
some strangeness. So they're trying to get his secrets out. So they interrogate him very strongly. The main characters don't feel great about this because they don't know who he is. Um, but of course, in fictional military settings, it's generally accepted that you know you hook you hook the car battery to the transformer and you get Optimus Prime to tell you where his ship is or something like that. Um, right. We learn that the Leprechaun is an important figure in the fairy hierarchy. And after things go really rough for him, he sends out a magical signal that's kind of like a tracking beacon so that other people can find him. Uh, and then meanwhile, through Act 1, we see the world fall out of balance, whether with weather or animals acting strange. Things are going bad on a worldwide basis for some reason, and it's pretty clear that this is the inciting incident. Um, Act 2, we start getting word that there is some sort of like intruder alert on the base, and they realize that they are going to be attacked soon, so they buckle on down. They're like, they're obviously coming for this guy, so they pump security up. They engage with a few different groups of, like, fey assaults, and they realize that they're actually being assaulted by two different groups, and we learn that a little bit of fairy politic between the Winter Court the Summer Court. Everybody's here for the Leprechaun. Um, and they realize, the, the Leprechaun explains who he is, why he's there, uh, maybe magic's on the brink of coming back and the Fae are about to reintroduce themselves and there are factions who don't want to do that. We haven't talked about that, but whatever justification for this guy's existence being important and whatever justification we need to get him back home is what we bring up here. Um, they fight off a few different fairy assassination teams. They probably have like a, you know, that moment where there's, it's quiet and then you hear like a giant foot stomp or something like that. And it's like, yeah, they brought a, some fey folklore creature that is big and big and CGI monster could yeah, be a troll. Right. Yeah, could be, yeah. Trolls are now yeah, right. We could do it. Trolls troll. are whack. <laughs> trolls are just overdone. Um, anyhow, yeah. Um, it's yeah. Um, and then uh, they realize, or the leprechaun just tells them that they have to get him to Stonehenge, which is the area in the world where the veil between worlds is weakest. For some reason, they have to go to Stonehenge because it's an old, old folk. It's an old folklore location. Uh, they fight the fairy teams off. They fight off a betrayal by someone in their party who is a changeling, which is just a little bit of mythology we can throw in there. They get to Stonehenge, um, and with the help of the Leprechaun, they start opening the portal. They have to hold off an assault, and they eventually get the Leprechaun back, with the promise that in the future, when things change now they have someone on their side in the courts or something a lot yeah it ends on i think uh, an optimistic note things are yeah. going to change things are going to change but they'll change for the better yeah but also now we have the knowledge that there's a couple bad groups of fey-ish people that are trying to do some weird stuff yes. uh leo where do you think some of this story needs to get worked on like what do you think that a that this is a a decent outline of a linear story i think so i i think it's pretty well put together that was I, a creative process that really came together um the ending in my mind was more comedy style but i like i like the idea like I, I was thinking uh something along the lines like the portal finally opens they've defeated all the bad guys temporarily the portal opens and the raven queen steps out to you know, take control of the situation. And she just looks dead at him at the leprechaun and says something like, you really think you could escape our wedding? <laughs> and then, and yeah, then it's like, 
there's like roll credits and you you could be like Leprechaun 2 the honeymoon. <laughs> Leprechaun 2. Now the in-laws are here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. And then that gives like uh, the the beginning a whole bunch of levity cuz you're like, "Oh, that's why he left to begin yeah. with?" All right, that's crazy. Um all right, Dylan. What we used to do is we would kind of select a part of this and kind of work on a scene that we thought would be a really interesting scene. What part of this do you think is the most interesting scene? I think so. I think it, there are twofold options here of things that if I was writing like a, a short script here, I would want to write. I would want to write the scene where at the end of act one stuff on the base starts to fall apart. Like you start noticing that, you know, someone reports in and it's like, Hey, there's a whole bunch of deer just hanging out by the perimeter. They're not doing anything, but there's a lot of them. And then it's that, you know, they go with the binoculars and it's just a lineup of like woodland creatures. Like the rabbits are down there and stuff. They're not moving. They're just staring at the base and all the military guys are acting really funky about it. Yeah. Or, the scene in the second one, and I know this isn't a very developed idea, but where one of the military guys turns out to be a changeling and attacks everybody, like you get yeah. you get the moment where he physically changes, and you're like, "What?" And then someone explains what a like the leprechaun shouts out, like, "He's a changeling. We got you know he's not who you thought he was." Something along those lines, because that's always a you know the betrayal is always a fun scene to have in there. Yeah. No. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, okay, so what is the name of this leprechaun? The leprechaun? Yeah. I mean, uh, if it depends on how tongue-in-cheek we want to go, because if we want to do very I mean, tongue-in-cheek, we can just pull it's a, up... It's a leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. I already said Seamus. I already said Seamus as a name for one of them. Yeah, that's about <laughs> uh, Connor, Patrick, Killian? Like Killian Murphy? Well, <laughs> well, uh, I'm, just naming, I'm just naming Irish names right now. Yeah, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, Aaron Gobra. Let's see, uh, redhead. <laughs> uh, Leo, what what is the name for what? What's the name of his leprechaun? What's his name? Oh man, um, you already said Seamus. That's like the, that's like the number one. That's the go to. Yeah. Um, man, what about I, uh? Is is Hamish? Is that an Irish name, or is that just British? I think Hamish is Scottish. Oh, okay, that's a cool name. Um, it is. It is. Um, man, yeah, I really can't think of any. That's okay. Cormac. Uh, Cormac. Karen. Karen. Apparently, cool. it means. Apparently, Cormac means son of defilement, which is pretty metal. All right, so Cormac it is. Like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's, Cormac, what's Cormac's last name? Um, <laughs> yeah, Mick Blank. I, I mean, <laughs> Mick Guffin. I, 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 look up, I re- <laughs> uh, Cormac McGuffin. I love it. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, so Cormac McGuffin, and he's about to marry the Raven Queen, and then yeah. all this stuff goes on. I think that's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, 
Now, is the military person that finds the leprechaun at the beginning, they obviously are the ones at the very end to kind of help him and bring him to uh, the space and whatever. Now, does the military person get a prize for their heroic actions, which sometimes happens in folklore movies, where they're like, hey, if you need to get a hold of me, here's this golden bookmark. I, I imagine he probably gets like an old gold coin, just a single one. Like he, he feels something in his pocket and he pulls it out and it's got like the Raven Queen on one side and then some other symbol on the other, an old Irish symbol, like the Celtic yeah. knot. Yeah. And they're like, if you ever need me, just flick it up in the air. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. I'm, a, I'm imagining like, this guy is played by Josh Duhamel. Yeah. Okay, sure. It's like know. a very you know sonic whistle, so he's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a little leprechaun-sized pan flute. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know what I'm doing? It's like playing the smallest violin? No, playing a leprechaun violin. <laughs> this is my leper fiddle. We yeah. show him playing a harmonica early on in the movie, and then he gets like a pan flute, and he goes, huh, yeah. same concept, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, millennials will never get it. In the English uh, sequel, it opens with him coming out of a pawn shop, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and then his wife is like, "Honey, hurry up, hurry up!" <laughs> it's like I should have never came back. Uh, all right, Leo. Hey, thank you so much for spending your time with us, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, one last time, sell yourselves. Where can we find you? What's your thing? Yeah, so my main interview show, The Leo Effects, is on all social medias, pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then we've got um, you know Spotify, Anchor, all those good places, uh, iHeartRadio, um, Amazon Music, all those good places. And then to kind of promote a couple other things that I'm on, uh, Wednesdays, I do a Star Wars show called War of the Stars. That's also a live one. We talk about everything Star Wars related. Um, Tuesday nights, I do Shattered Dungeons, which you guys had the pleasure of being on. It was super fun. We do crazy, stupid stuff like that all the time. That's where I do a large majority of my voice work. Um, I am currently playing a anthropomorphic frog. Cool. He uses his tongue as a whip. I thought it was a good idea. It's not. Um, so, and then finally, once a month, we have uh, it kind of floats around within the month, but it's called One Crit Blunders. That's actually on tonight, um, which I guess by the time you're watching this, is probably not on tonight. But anyway, that's our 5e Dungeons and Dragons show. That is also on Facebook. We pretty much live for the critical fail in that game. Uh, that one is what really makes that story hilarious. Uh, and every single episode, it has been guaranteed that pretty much the first roll is a one. So always sets the tone. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool. We are such oh, big God. fans of you. We like nerdy yeah. stuff, and obviously, uh, we could not be bigger fans. So, if you ever need us for anything, obviously, we're right there for people like you. And uh, yeah, like I said, man, we're super fans. Thank you so much for taking your time and just coming up with a very weird story based on nothing. And Dude, if <laughs> it's been awesome, and I'm going to tell you what the story we just created i i don't know where this is going to go for you guys but i'm telling you right now this is going to be an episode in one crit blunders 
I'm turning this into a D&D episode. Perfect. Uh, the military members will be the players. This is how this is going to go down. Right on. Wow. Dude, that, that is a milestone that I did not know that I wanted to accomplish, which was <laughs> make up a story that turns into a DD campaign. That is, that's awesome. So yeah, once again, thank you so much, Mr. Leo. And if you're anywhere, go check out the Leo effects. Uh, it's some very cool stuff. And obviously, if you listen to us, you're into cool stuff. So go check out Mr. Leo and everything that he's doing. Uh, maybe you'll hear us on there. Who knows? You never know. Yeah. Hey, this is talking like upstream. <laughs> Yeah, I like. Yeah, we love you. That's fine. Uh, talking up stream, guys. That's what you've been watching for the last ninety minutes. It is a show where myself, Zach, and this dude right over here, Dylan, and some nobodies, which are anybody that wants to be some nobodies. What we do is we throw very stupid ideas at people, and then hopefully they help us pick something, and then we try to show people how we take a weird idea, such as what happens if a leprechaun gets interrogated uh, and then turn that into something that is obviously a very cool uh, feature length film with a lot of special effects, uh, some weird John Wick style giant fights, a Raven queen. Uh, this thing blew up out of nowhere and obviously with the help of Leo effects. So thank you so much once again. Now, if you want to see what we're doing or want to help out anything, you can always go to somenobodies.com and see everything that we got going on. We have a create your own pod venture style show coming out very soon. Uh, we do podcast podcast, which is where we review very, very bad podcasts. I'm not ashamed to say it. You can also find Silicon Angels, which I will not tell you what that's about. You can see Talking Upstream here every Sunday. You can also find a live version of that Twitching Upstream on Tuesdays and everything else. We got a movie coming out soon. We got a board game coming out. Maybe who knows? But if you want to help us out and sponsor us, you can always go to patreon.com backslash some nobodies. And we will love to say your name as many times as humanly possible, mm -hmm. such as Scott Curtis with Behind the Bits, Sean Shek, Sarah Takachik, Listener App, which is at the greatest podcast app, and Scene Snobs. Check you guys out very much. We <laughs> thank you guys very much. Also, check you out. Whatever. I don't care. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't matter anymore. I've been talking for a very long time. But most importantly, Dylan, you are my best friend. And I appreciate you so much. You are the only person that makes me laugh constantly. The only person that gets my jokes. The only person that can take my stupid ideas and read them out loud and make them sound cooler than how I send them to you. So for that, I appreciate you always, my friend. Appreciate you as well, brother. Until next week, thank you very much. We are some nobodies. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you.